Hello, and welcome to Digital Bones. I'm your host, David, and today we're going to break down Apple's announcements from WWDC related to iOS 17. We're going to take a deep dive here and talk through all of the headline features and maybe some of the lesser-known announcements stemming from WWDC. So let's dive in. First up, we have Phone. So the Phone app was customized, in particular, the Contacts section of the Phone app. I don't know if anybody does this or not, but I deleted the Contacts app from my phone and just used the Phone app to get there because, honestly, I'm rarely going in there anyhow to do anything with Contacts. So if you're like me, mine is no longer there, so that's how I get to Contacts. But this announcement is related to the ability to create basically full-screen contact photos and they look really beautiful and they're really nice they have you know whatever picture you want you can add text and various things to them and so whenever you call somebody you can see their full screen photo it's really nice it's really similar to the memoji uh, contact personalizations that you could do where i would create my memoji you have me as a contact in your phone and it would suggest using my memoji that i created as my contact photo. And in this case, it's basically the exact same thing, but instead of emoji, it is a you know full screen photo of your choosing. So it's a really nice looking feature, but it's not anything earth shattering, which to be completely fair, I feel like that is the case with iOS 17 in general. A lot of nice features, uh, a lot of you know creature comforts, if you will, for lack of a better term, but nothing really groundbreaking, just a bunch of nice enhancements and improvements. Next up, we have live voicemail transcription. So what's really cool about live voicemail is whenever you uh, are getting a phone call from somebody and maybe you're busy and can't take the call or you're in a place where answering the phone might not be appropriate, but you could be on your phone, you can send them to voicemail. And if they leave a voicemail, you will get a live transcription right on your screen of whatever they're saying to you in real time. The thing with that is I have, you know, like many of you probably use the voicemail transcription feature within the voicemail section of the phone app, and it leaves a lot to be desired. I feel like the dictation is not the greatest. Sometimes it's extremely confusing and you don't understand what the person was even saying until you listen to the message. And there's a lot of times where, you know, it's just, it just leaves a lot to be desired. So I'm really curious to see if this feature works any better or is any smarter, or if the transcription is any more accurate than previous iterations within voicemail itself. Next up, we have messages. Messages has a lot of little minor improvements and enhancements sprinkled throughout the app. Some of them include things like uh, reorganized iMessage apps. So you have that little app drawer in your phone today. You know, you click on the messages app and you go to send somebody a text message and then down across the bottom, you've got all those little apps and things. Well, now there's a new plus button. So the reorganization includes a plus button where you can expand and, and view your apps within the app drawer. And hold on. So as part of reorganizing the iMessage apps, there's a little plus button to the left of the text input field. And from there, you can open up a drawer of all the various apps and things that you need to get into, which will be kind of handy. I'm curious to see how that works. I personally prefer getting rid of the clutter out of the, the messages app itself with all of the stuff currently laid out across the bottom of the screen. This looks a lot cleaner, and I don't use the messages apps all that often. So it'll be nice that you know that stuff will be out of your face and now it'll be hidden away and you can grab it when you need it but i mean 99 percent of the time you know you're not really doing much with those except for maybe sending some gifs don't at me it's not 
GIF, it's GIF. Next up we have ketchup. Well, that sounds funny <laughs> saying that out loud. Not the condiment. Um, ketchup is basically just the last red post or message within a thread. So if you are in a really noisy group chat, for instance, and you know, you're working or something at a meeting and you can't read it, and then you come back to it after your meeting and there's been, you know, 40 text messages that have gone by. This feature will let you press the arrow up to your most recently read message, and then you can, you know, browse the thread from there, which is a really nice enhancement. It'll come in handy. I know I'm in a lot of group threads where that is the case. They get really chatty and I can't check on them during the day, and then I come back and there's so many messages you almost don't even want to read them. So it'll be nice that you can quickly get to the top and then work your way back down. Next up, we have the swipe to reply straight from an iMessage bubble. Now this is handy because right now as it sits, if you wanna do a reply to a message within a thread, and if you don't know this, there's a feature where you know, if someone says something to you, maybe they say like three or four things in a row to you and you need to address like the second thing they said. You can long press on that message and then it'll bring up a contextual menu and you can hit reply and then you can type your reply directly to that message. So then when you send your response, it will basically create a graphic which shows a snippet of whatever that person said to you, and then you reply to that thing. So for instance, if you're busy, say, you know, your wife or significant other texts you, you know, a handful of messages in a row, and they're like, you know, responding to something you said, they say, okay. Then the next thing they say is, do you want to go out to dinner tonight? And then the next thing they says, oh my gosh, you won't believe who I saw when I was, you know, walking home from work. And then they say something else. And you might respond back to that second message and say, yes, I want to go out to dinner tonight, you know, and then they know what you're acknowledging. So it's a really nice way to quickly be able to respond to direct things. I know that my wife personally likes to bombard me with a bunch of different unrelated messages in a row. And so it can get hard to respond to those and carry a conversation. So it's a really nice feature. I use it all the time. It'll be nice to make it a lot more accessible by just swiping across one of the text bubbles and replying to it there. Next up, we have search filters. So iMessage has historically been terrible at search. Uh, it's one of those things where very hard to surface old text messages or information out of these messages that you really want. Apple has done a decent job over the years of trying to surface some of this information, whether through clicking on the info button on your contact within the message thread and then seeing links and photos and documents and all of those things that you've shared with each other. I still find that for some reason things just don't appear there anymore or they did appear and then they're gone or they never appear. I'm not sure what makes it do that, but, and maybe I haven't really, you know, tested this in detail. So maybe it's just my imagination, but there are definitely times where I'm looking for something I know was said or shared and just can't find it. So you can filter, you know, by a contact from the main screen, which has always bothered me that there's no search from within a message thread itself. It's always global messages. So when you go to your main messages screen, where it's a list of everybody, and all of your text back and forth, you know, you can't, you can only search from that screen. You can't go into a message to a specific person and search, but now you can filter to that person, which is great. And there's additional filters there, but I'm, I don't have all the detail. The next enhancement on the list here is reading audio message transcriptions. So, you know, you can, when someone sends you an audio message within the messages app, they will be transcribed for you below the message. So if you can't play the audio in that moment and you just want to see what they said, you can see the transcription there. You can also share your location and a view of your location on a map within the conversation. 
Now, I haven't seen this one in the wild yet or, you know, any demos of it live, but it looks really cool. So I'll be curious to see how this works because on occasion I do like to share my location with people, especially when I'm, you know, later than I thought I was going to be. And, you know, maybe they want a good, you know, ETA and when I'm going to be there or something like that. So it's really nice to be able to share your location like that. Um, and with that, you still have um, the check-in feature where you can check in with a, a person or group of people and tell them when you're coming home and it'll share your location through that process of you leaving location A to arrive at location B and it'll send them updates along the way. And if you don't you know, stay along the route to get there within a certain time, it'll alert people. It's, it's a really neat safety feature. I can see this being used with kids all the time. You know, if you send your kid down to one of their friend's houses and you want them to check in with you as they're coming back home or something like that, or that they got there okay, you can send that, that check-in. So that'll be really neat. Next up, we have the sticker drawer. So Apple has updated the sticker drawer, and you can access all of your live stickers within the Emoji Memoji uh, screen. So... You can go in there and get to your stickers. Your stickers will sync with iCloud and they're available on all of your Apple devices. The uh, other thing to note here is that the other thing to note here is that you can create your own live stickers from your photos, which could be pretty cool. But um, I'm not really sure, you know, how much use this will get for me personally. I don't really use stickers a whole lot, so you know, it'll be one thing to see where this lands in the end. But right now, I don't know. Again, these are all super minor features. Maybe maybe this feature set is more for, you know, younger younger folks who are, you know, more interested in, in some of this stuff. But it'll be fun to play with. But I, I can see myself using it a little bit and then not using it at all. I, I think I said this on the first episode. There are very few cases where I see anybody using stickers or anything or even Memoji at this point you know, it was kind of a fad thing and has since died off. I really only see Memoji anymore on the internet for people's avatars. So um, anyhow, next up we have FaceTime. So FaceTime got a few small enhancements. One of those is that you can leave a video message when you miss a FaceTime call. So that I think has been a key feature that's been missing for a long time. Every time I've tried to call somebody on FaceTime and couldn't leave them a message, you know, it was really annoying. And honestly, um, you know, what would be really great here, and I don't know how it all works and in the terms of like how long you can keep these messages for if they just last for a brief period of time, but I know that this would have been a feature that would have been amazing, you know, um, in the sense that if you could archive those, because um, my mom passed away last year, and I know when she would FaceTime, you know, my kids or something like that, if she could have left like a a visual message that would have been something we would have kept and cherished you know so i think this could be a really cool feature in a way like that that people aren't really thinking of and you know that would have been something i wish that we had today that we don't so hopefully that's the case hopefully you can hang on to those or archive them or save them off somewhere if you really wanted to next up for iphones with and always on display we have the standby mode so standby allows you to put your iphone on its side while charging and connect it to a magsafe dock and it has support for live activities it keeps the screen on at all times and you can customize what's on the screen. So you, I don't know all the customizations available, but some of the ones I've seen is, you know, a giant clock, like a night mode, similar to the Apple watch, where when you dock it on its side at night, it'll light up green instead dim. You can do the same thing with your iPhone. You can add a calendar. You can have Siri, like um, similar to the Amazon Echo show. You can, you know, 
call out to Siri and you'll see a visual response on the screen. So again, this feature feels like it's building towards an Echo Show competitor built by Apple. So I'll be really anxious to see what this looks like because I have a gazillion Echo devices across my house. And to be completely frank, they're extremely frustrating. I'm not a huge fan of the Amazon ecosystem. There's a lot of stuff that's real glitchy and doesn't work well. I have a feeling Apple will deal with a lot of similar stuff. I've heard a lot of you know, heartache from the HomePod crowd. I did test some HomePods, not to get off on too much of a side tangent, but I did test some HomePods not that long ago. And quite frankly, I felt that it was a much superior experience to the Echo, even though Siri is probably a little worse than Alexa is. But I don't really use my voice assistants to talk to them other than to just activate them to play music and things. And the reason is because even people claim online, you know, you read forums that Siri is so bad and Alexa is so much better. But when I start using Alexa, man, all the time, I run into issues where it's like just consistently not hearing the things I'm saying or it does the wrong thing or the feature where it's supposed to know which one you're closest in proximity to. It picks up something from across the room and not the one that I'm standing right next to. Um, and it's, it's incredibly frustrating. So, uh, the only benefit of those devices to me is the screen. If we had a screen, I would jump in, I think, or at least be able to convince my family to switch because right now we're having an internal struggle between keeping Spotify and echoes versus going to Apple music. And we can get off into a total side tangent on that. But the main driver for me is for whatever reason, Spotify's family plan doesn't allow you to just stream multiple streams simultaneously at one time. You have to have them, especially with the Echoes, connected to a specific device. There are some workarounds, but they're way too clunky to make my family use. They're not technical enough. But basically with Apple Music, if you have a family plan, you can just go shout commands to your Echo and it'll just start playing whatever you want on those Echoes. And so like, for instance, you know, my son could listen to whatever he wanted in his room. My daughter could listen to whatever she wants in her room. I could listen to whatever I want in the kitchen all at the same time but you can't do that with Spotify and it's incredibly frustrating. Anyway, uh, back to the task at hand here. So the, the next probably biggest, in my opinion, enhancement are going to be interactive widgets. Now this is the next logical step in the widget progression, but it's something that was sorely lacking on day one. And I actually can't believe they did not release widgets with interaction on day one. I know that they're probably expensive on battery and that's why, but the utility is worth the trade-off in my opinion. So, you know, things like interacting with a music player and play pause, advance to the next track, like super simple commands right from your screen, you know, your lock screen or your home screen without having to get into the app would be tremendous. Well, now you can do that. Um, home automation stuff, on off switches, things like that. You'll now be able to do that right from the widget on your screen, which is great. And if you haven't experimented with things like this in the past, I have a feeling this will actually stack nicely, but I haven't tested it myself. You know, there's that smart stack widget and within that smart stack, you can stack other things inside of it. So you can just keep putting things in there. So you just build widgets and then you drag and drop them on top of the smart stack. So for instance, like if you wanted to do like a whole list of shortcuts from the shortcuts app, you are kind of limited from the shortcuts widget itself to like four or something like that. Well, you can put another four and then just drop it in the smart stack and now you can scroll the list. So right from your screen, you can scroll up and down and get additional widgets right at your fingertips. Instead of having like 10, you know, shortcuts widgets all over your phone, you can just smart stack them and scroll them right there. So you have, it's a little cleaner look. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult to organize. You know, if you have like a bunch that you use all the time, 
but it might be a cool way to you know initiate that if that's not something you knew about um next up share play so share play is getting a little bit more refined uh, they're allowing you to initiate a share play connection basically i'm guessing with nfc or maybe it's the near field bluetooth maybe this is what the u1 chip is actually doing some of this facilitation um but basically uh you know a few iPhones ago, they released that U1 chip right before the AirTags, and it's one of those chips that helps it find things in near proximity, and I think it helps create a network of iPhones together to help you find lost and stolen devices and things like that, too. But um, I'm not sure what the technology is driving behind this, but you know, you can bring your two iPhones close together. If you're watching a video on, say, like Apple TV+, and you want your friend to share that with you, you can just you know bring it together, and you can both listen and watch at the same time. So that's really neat. Um, and... There, I mean, this is a huge jam-packed announcement, so we're only about halfway through here. But next up is the Journal app. So later this year, the Journal app will come out, and it will be a, you know, Apple says it's the Journal is a new way to reflect on and relive special moments, capture thoughts on life's big events or everyday activities, add details to any entry with photos, music, audio recordings, and more, mark important moments and revisit them later to find new insights, or set new goals. Using on-device machine learning, your iPhone creates personalized suggestions of moments for you to remember and write about based on your photos, music, workouts, and more. And for privacy, journaling suggestions are created on your iPhone using on-device processing and you control what type of data you want to include. With the ability to lock your journal and iCloud syncing using end-to-end encryption, your entries stay up-to-date and no one but you can access your journal, not even Apple. So that seems like a really cool, nice touch that you know only iphone can have i mean technically android could too right if you're an android user but what i'm saying is having a first party version of the software is something that i think is very you know limited to those first parties right it's not something a third party could do very easily or very well or maybe even probably doesn't have access to most of this data or information that that apple will so I think that will be the key feature here, similar to some of the other apps that Apple's released over time there. They may not have all of the best features, but they're good enough. And, you know, it basically shrinks that third party market. So I'll be really curious to see how this works in, in the wild. I'm not a huge journaler, but I will definitely give this a shot and see how it works and give you my feelings on it. But I I have dabbled with journaling actually recently and related to the passing of my mother, I just wanted to get my thoughts out on paper and I decided to go ahead and start writing things down and journaling, but I didn't stick with it long enough to, you know, see the benefit. I'm not a huge journaler. It's just. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I don't really enjoy it. So um, that one, <laughs> that that habit didn't last long. Um, next up, we have uh, enhancements for keyboard. So basically, this is related to autocorrect. And so autocorrect will now be using a new transformer language model behind the scenes and some machine learning. And essentially, it'll be a better version of autocorrect. And early reports say that is the case. And, you know, it'll allow for some colorful language to be included. So, you know, it won't autocorrect you to bizarre words once it starts learning the things that you like to say. So if you have a very colorful vocabulary like I tend to, then you may see, you know, those results and have them actually show up as true autocorrect options. And they also have included predictions as you type. So I don't know if any of you have used any email clients. I think Gmail does it and I know Outlook does it where if you start typing something, it will like try to uh, predict what you're going to say next and then you just swipe 
swipe across those words and then it, you know, drops out the rest of that sentence for you. I actually hate that feature, but I'm guessing some people really do like it, especially who, who are slow typists. Uh, for me, I do type fast, especially on a, a desktop with a physical keyboard. So when those come up, they actually slow me down because I start reading what it's typing, not what I'm trying to say. So it can be a little bit frustrating, but um, it, it will be a nice feature. Again, something I'm not super pumped about, but again, maybe I'll use it a little bit more than I think I will. I just don't love it today, especially in the Outlook app. You know, I use it for work and when it does it, it just drives me crazy, even on a touchscreen device where I do type slower and make more mistakes. Safari and passwords. This might be my favorite update of all of the updates. So uh, a couple things in this section here. So related to Safari. Uh, Safari has now the ability to keep your browsing separate. So you basically create profiles. So you can have a work profile and a personal profile. And so that'll help you separate your history and extensions and tab groups and cookies and favorites. And so you can switch back and forth uh, as you please. I'll be, interested, I'll be interested to see how this works in execution because uh, that is something I could use. And I just don't know how it's going to work exactly, but it could be very handy to separate your work and personal lives. It will also have the ability to surface faster and more relevant search results from within Safari. So when you search directly from the uh, URL um, bar at the top and start typing in your search results, right there it'll supposedly uh, surface more relevant and faster search results for you um so we'll see how that goes uh and and the search is supposedly more responsive than ever according to apple so again marketing speak we'll see execution is everything and we'll see how it is once we start using it uh enhance private browsing so private browsing now locks your private browsing windows when you're not using them it completely blocks known trackers from loading on pages and removes tracking added to URLs as you browse. So that's pretty handy. Uh, next up, these next two features are probably my two favorite and will probably be the best features for me in iOS 17. And that is autofill verification codes in mail. So today when you get an SMS verification code to log in from a website, when you're when you get one of those verification codes in messages, but you're in Safari entering the code, it will automatically pop it up with the option to just auto populate the code. So you don't have to go in and do the whole copy and paste dance or look at your messages and type it out. Well, the same thing will be true of email. So when you get that verification code from email, that will now work as well, which I think will be a game changer. I, I know it sounds stupid, but I get verification emails all day long for things, you know, whether it's work or personal things. And when they do go to email, you're like, I have to go to my email and dig this out, copy and paste, do that whole song and dance. So um, now that they can do that straight from Safari without having to leave the browser, that is fantastic. I can't wait to do that. Um, that'll be, I'm super pumped that that's coming. Next up, and this is probably for me, my favorite, so a lot of third-party apps have already solved this problem, but for whatever reason, I just haven't really been down to subscribe. Um, it's password and passkey sharing. So you can create a group and choose a set of accounts that you can share passwords with. And it seems like you can share select passwords and not like your entire password safe, which will be really neat, which will be really good for, you know, families. Um, you know, my wife and I don't share passwords well enough. So it's not that I don't want her to have my passwords or vice versa. It's just there hasn't really been a good way since our iPhones and Macs started really taking over the duty of generating them for you. So now like there's a lot of things I've created passwords for that were auto generated. I don't even know what the password is. I couldn't even tell you. So and then you can only share them when you're next to each other can airdrop, you know, other than going in and copy and pasting out things. But 
you know, if you just needed to quickly get to a password that they had and they weren't available to you, you were kind of out of luck. So I'll be extremely excited to see this feature when it's, you know, rolled out. So I know this is supposed to be iOS 17, but Apple Music slid in here a little bit because Apple Music has some share play functionality that has been baked into it, especially in the car. So during, you know, when you're using CarPlay, you know, passengers can, you know, even in the backseat can get access to what's playing on Apple Music and they can change it from there. And additionally, you'll get collaborative playlists. So again, something Spotify's had for ages. Apple Music's just now catching up. There's a ton of enhancements in Apple Music this go around, but we're not covering them all here. I just want to call those out as two key features that are coming that are pretty much baked into iOS 17. Next up is AirPlay. So AirPlay is going to have some smart device suggestions. So if you AirPlay to certain devices all the time, it won't necessarily be an alphabetical list. It'll be what ones you use the most and which context you're using them in. I'm not sure how this all works, but the device has uh, you know, some intelligent capability to learn your AirPlay preferences over time, and it'll adjust and be dynamic accordingly. I wish they would do this with Bluetooth. I loathe using Bluetooth um, back to the Echo scenario. you know. So with, with our Spotify accounts being segmented and the way we're using it right now, I let my wife's account run the Spotify devices or Echo devices in the house because, you know, when I'm driving, not home or working at my desk and I want to listen to music, but they want to listen to music, being my family, we're not interrupting each other. So if my account was driving that, you know, they would be out there talking to the Echo and it would just steal my session. So, you know, it's one of those things where that would drive me nuts. And a lot of times I Bluetooth to the Echo to play what I want to play and get my playlists and things like that. So, you know, it's again, just more cumbersome and not as easy to use, you know, as even the HomePod with Spotify would be better with the way that it does the handoff and things like that. Yeah, so then they also announced that AirPlay will be available in hotel rooms. I don't know how this will all work in execution or, you know, how widespread it will be, but if it works well and is available widely, I would definitely leverage this. So you'll scan a QR code on your room TV and then you can securely share videos, photos, and music from your iPhone to a TV. So that's kind of cool. I, I would look forward to that. I use a lot of, you know, obviously I use tons of Apple stuff and it's not limited to just Apple services in that case. You can AirPlay anything that, that it works with, so that would be great. Um, AirPods, AirPods got a, you know, a few updates. So second-gen AirPods Pros can do a blend of transparency and active noise cancellation, so that'll be nice and handy. Um, using AirPods on calls it has an enhancement where there's a new mute and unmute feature across AirPods Pro, so that's first and second-gen and AirPods third-gen and AirPods Max. You just press the stem or the digital crown on your AirPods and quickly mute or unmute yourself while you're on a call. So that's kind of handy. I wonder how it's going to handle though the mute, unmute, and which one you're on so you know what you're doing. <laughs> I can see a scenario where you're trying to mute and then you unmute and you think you're on mute. <laughs> <And then> you <laughs> just be careful, everyone. Pretend the mic is always hot. Next up is Maps. Maps has offline maps, so you can save an area of a map to your iPhone and explore it while offline. You can view information like hours and ratings on place cards and get turn-by-turn -turn directions for driving, walking, cycling, or riding. So that'll be really handy. Uh, when you have an electric vehicle, you can choose a preferred charging network and see real-time charging station availability. So... You know, some really welcome enhancements to Maps. Siri has the ability to just say Siri instead of activating it with Hey in front of it. I'm not going to say that or all my things will start beeping at me. And you can also issue multiple requests back to back without needing to reactivate it. So, you know, Echo's done that for like an eternity, but here we are. Spotlight. 
Spotlight has, you know, app shortcuts uh, in the top hits. So when you search for an app, Spotlight intelligently offers you the app shortcuts for your next action. So if you search for photos, you could jump right into a favorites album or something like that. Um, you know, that'll be another little nice quality of life feature, but nothing earth shattering. Um, so next you also have a visual lookup. So you can use photos to search for similar things. So like when you take a photo today, you can lift a photo by holding down your thumb on it and it'll copy intelligently the subject in the photo or whatever you're trying to copy. So there's a picture of a cat and you hold your thumb and press down on the cat. It'll lift it up off the screen. You can copy it, move it somewhere and things like that. Well, there will also be a uh, call out menu, which is when you long press on something and it pops up and you can then search for things that are similar to that photo. So that could be kind of useful. I believe there's a feature right now where, you know, if you take a picture of like a, a flower or something, you can do something similar and it'll look up what type of flower it is or what type of plant it is. And, and so it's really neat. Um, you know, it's one of those things I don't think a lot of people know about, but you should try it out if you haven't. So you just go take a picture of something out in your yard, like a plant or a flower and, you know, or out in the park or whatever, and see if it can identify it for you. It's really handy. Um, I've used it quite a few times, actually. So uh, this, I think, sounds kind of weird, but then when you actually start using it, um, it'll be really nice, uh, a nice little feature there. You can also do the same thing from a video. So if you pause a video on any frame, you can do the same thing and just you know, basically treats it as an image. Uh, the health app gets some mental and visual health features. So the mental health, you know, section they demoed at WWDC, it showed, you know, a lot of reflection type questions to like, you know, assess how you're feeling and how your mood is and things like that. So it's very nice. And, you know, it's focusing on that mindfulness and mental health aspect of things and how, you know, you are doing as a person and just taking time to assess that and think about it and talk about it out loud or not out loud per se, but you know what I mean? So, you know, it's just another way to try to check in on your mental health and be proactive. They also have something for visual health where it uses some of the sensors, especially like with FaceTime devices to tell you if you're holding your phone too closely for too long. I don't know how that's all going to work in practice, but I feel like that might be really annoying, honestly. But again, it's trying to help combat myopia, which is uh, nearsightedness. So it's, you know, when you're staring at things for so long, you know, kind of, I think it warps your eyes a little bit and then, you know, causes you to need glasses or contact lenses. You know, I've had glasses and contacts since I was in seventh grade and quite frankly, I wish I didn't have to have them, but you know, it is kind of a necessary evil at this point and you know, hopefully this can help reduce that, but I'm still not sure, you know, how well that will actually work in practice. And on to privacy. So there is a lot in the privacy section. Uh, communication safety includes protections for sensitive videos and photos and extends beyond messages to include content sent and received in AirDrop. Uh, the system-wide photo picker, FaceTime messages, contact posters, and third-party apps. So that's pretty cool. It'll automatically blur things and ask you if you want to look at them before it lets you see them in case someone's sending you some not-so-savory images. There's also a sensitive content warning. So you can have the option to blur sensitive photos and videos before you choose to view them. So again, sort of overlapping feature there, but, you know, that is nice. You know, if you have kids, you know, and even if it's not something necessarily, you know, unsavory in the sense of, you know, trying to say this delicately, you know, something, it's just something you wouldn't want children to see, but maybe not necessarily something super adult, if you will. 
you know, that's probably a nice feature because I have kids, you know, and I don't really lock much of their stuff completely down. And I will as they get a little older and use the internet and things like that. But, you know, there's things that I do and use where it's like, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily the best thing for your children, but it's not like the worst thing either. So there's like balancing, like how much restriction to put on things just to make your life easy. And so, you know, that would be a nice way of not having to lock everything down, you know, to avoid some of that stuff. But again, like some of this could come from friends or family sending you inappropriate stuff, not necessarily again in the adult sense, but just inappropriate, maybe from a humor perspective, or maybe it's a news story that was kind of graphic or something like that. And you don't want your children to see it. You know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about here. Improved permissions. So now you have even greater control over some of the permissions. So, you know, you can choose which photos to share from within an app while keeping the rest of your photos library private you can allow an app to add an event to a calendar without it being able to view all of your calendar information so it can only write that one entry and not see everything else you can also put your phone into lockdown mode the expanded lockdown mode increases security to help protect against sophisticated cyber attacks you can turn it on across all of your apple devices including the apple watch so what happens is when you turn it on you have to turn on and restart your phone and then you know, it makes it almost impossible to, you know, have issues from a cyber attack. And that really rounds out the headlining features. There's still a handful of others, you know, I'll blow through these real quick, but um, there's additional accessibility features. Memoji has new expressions, reminders. This one actually is really cool. Um, grocery lists automatically sort items into categories to make shopping easier. So I used to do this with tags. I would just tag grocery items as certain things like vegetables, fruit, uh, meat, things like that. And it would break them off into categories. So as you're shopping the store, when you're in that section, you could easily figure out what things you needed in that area. Cause for me, when I have a giant list of stuff, I miss something and I end up going all the way across the store and then all the way back to the other side to go get it. So I'm really happy to see that notes has uh, view and market PDF scans and presentations, assignments, research papers, and more. You can add links and connect related notes. So that'll be nice and handy. Um, PDFs have enhanced autofill, so they'll detect the fields on the form and autofill them for you. Uh, fitness has a redesigned sharing tab, providing highlights of your friend's activity and workout streaks and awards. You can create a workout and meditation schedule based on exactly what you want and use custom plans within Apple Fitness Plus. Find My, you can share AirTag or Find My Network accessories with up to five other people, and everyone in the group can use precision finding and play a sound to pinpoint and locate an AirTag when they're nearby. Home, you'll have activity history, let you see who locked and unlocked a door and when, and it shows recent activity for garage doors, contact sensors, and your security system. Apple News Plus subscribers can dig into daily crossword puzzles in the News app, and Apple News Plus audio stories are available in the podcast app. Photos, the People album is better than ever at recognizing your favorite people, and including cats and dogs that are part of your family too. So that'll be cool. I know a lot of times, you know, I'd search for certain people. And it just doesn't find them. And I know they're there. <laughs> that would drive me crazy, you know. And then sometimes it does. So it's kind of hit or miss. Hopefully that gets better. The pets one is going to be huge. A lot of people will really leverage that. Apple ID, securely sign into your iPhone using a nearby device and, or any email address or phone number listed on your account. And Freeform will have new drawing tools like a watercolor brush, calligraphy pen, a highlighter, a variable width pen, and a ruler while brainstorming. So that's the list of features covered quickly, right? And they are all like minor little quality of life enhancements. And to round this all out, iPhone SE second generation or later, all the way through the iPhone 14 Pro Max will be supported. So we're dropping iPhone 10 
and older devices. That rounds out our coverage of iOS 17. Let me know what features you're looking forward to. I am on Twitter at DCHABZ. That's DSHABS for those the uninitiated. And you can find me there. I don't have any other major social media at the moment. Uh, if you find that I need to be somewhere else, let me know. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and I look forward to talking to you soon.